And Layla is going to come and read for us the passage that we're going to look at today. I can hold that for you unless you want to hold it. You got it? Yep, from there. Colossians. Hello? Okay. Colossians 2.13 to 2.23. Yeah. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the, the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God continues to grow. Since you died with Christ to elemental spiritual forces of the world, why, as though as you still belong to the world, do not submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with the things that are all dis destined to perish with use, are based on mercifully human command teachings and teachings, such as regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Thanks. So wrestling through this uh, section of Scripture, the big picture, stepping away the bottom line, um, was a life in Jesus Christ, identified with Him, responding to Him in love and obedience, a relationship versus religion, a life of rules, a life of comparing, comparing yourself to others, comparing others to you, a life of rituals, a life of self-centeredness and self-sufficiency, as you can see there. And Paul was warning the Colossians, don't move away from being identified with Jesus, walking with Jesus, knowing Jesus, being intimate with Jesus. There are going to be lots of things that come in place, rules, regulations, rituals, um, duties, responsibilities that the world puts on you, that people put on you. So that whole section is there. That's why he spent so much time identifying the person of Jesus in the letter to the Colossians and then the, the work of Jesus. That's the emphasis. That's the focus for our lives. The person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. And we have to be aware in ourselves 
because our hearts are continually trying to build idols and be attached to things that God has separated us from. And last week, remember when I, I was trying to use the illustration of circumcision, I cut that piece and I said, and I threw it away. And all week long I've been thinking about, well, if I threw it away and were circumcised of heart and buried with him in baptism, raised to new life, then why, why, why do we struggle with sin? Why would any Christian ever sin? What's going on? And so I back, back to the scripture, wrestling through, trying to understand, not um, not to be deceived. Like Paul says, I doesn't, he doesn't, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be taken captive to vain arguments and follow religious practices that have no power to subdue, no power. The last verse in chapter 2. Such regulations and regulations of any kind. Somebody says, well, this is what you should do. For 10 days, you should um, say the prayer this way. Make sure you say it exactly like this. Or for 10 days, you shouldn't eat this food. Or for 10 days, you should go to this particular spot. You should be in this building at this time. Whatever type of regulation it might be. He said, such regulations have an appearance of wisdom, right? They have an appearance of wisdom. And so they, we all want wisdom. We all want to do what's right. And we all want to uh, grow and increase. But things that are, appear helpful may not be helpful. And so he's saying that they have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. I'm still going to wrestle and figure out exactly all the implications of self-imposed worship. Worship is supposed to be directed outward toward God. So if it's self-imposed worship, is it somehow twisted back onto self? And self is being lifted up in the midst of attempting to somehow be religious or even walk with God, I wouldn't put that past anybody, especially after reading through the stories of the Old Testament, how they're led out of Egypt by God, and out of the fire come two golden calves. How could it be? How did that happen? Um, we're very fickle. And I think it, that one hymn, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So, their self-imposed wish of their false humility, false humility, that's a mind bender. Anybody, you remember talking to the guy and he was telling everybody what a humble person he was? And for about a half hour later, after he told them everything he ever accomplished, he walked away and said, wow, that guy's really humble. <laughs> or that individual. So, False humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And I realize that the circumcision by the Spirit of God, by the hands of Christ, it says not by the hands of men. So in our walk with God, it's our, it's our personal, intimate, yielding daily relationship with Him, acknowledging Him and who He is on a regular basis, letting Him have our hearts 
and, and cooperating with Him when He speaks to us through His Word and through His Spirit in an obedient way. And so I wanted to take a couple of quick examples of Scripture that uh, are not necessarily in this text here. But jump with me to Acts chapter 7. So you're going back to the left, a couple books, to Acts chapter 7. And I just want to show you a couple contrasts as we begin to unpack again what this idea is. I mean, circumcised of heart, buried with Him in baptism, raised to new life, and it's not the regulations from the world, human traditions, philosophies. It's a relationship with Jesus. So in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being confronted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day, the people who were um, boasting about circumcision in the flesh, but not circumcision of the heart. Look what he says to them just before they kill him. Chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You are always resisting the Holy Spirit. And so the opposite of resisting the Holy Spirit would be have a circumcised heart and circumcised ears so that you could receive and hear from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, what He's teaching us. Otherwise, our heart is just calloused and His Word would just bounce off. But it's an open heart. And so you contrast that. Now you go the other way from Colossians. Going back toward Revelation, you come to a book called Hebrews. Paul's letter to the Hebrews in chapter 2. And we saw that they had uncircumcised hearts. Now in chapter 3, verse 12 of Hebrews, Hebrews 3.12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And the deceitfulness of sin is that we think that if we don't obey, that it's no big deal. We can just kind of chuck it off as, but it's high treason. Disobedience is treason, and you're going to wreck yourself. You're going to wreck your relationship with God, and you're going to move toward a sinful, unbelieving, hardened heart and move away from a tender heart before God. I've been reading through the Old Testament just for fun and for obviously for sanctification, for growth in my Christian walk, to know Scripture, to obey Scripture, and it's the, there's just so many things that reveal our hearts there. And so in Second um, Kings chapter 22, I was reading about the king Hezekiah. And it was in a time, a low point of the history of the nation of Israel. And King Hezekiah was a godly king, and he was trying to bring the nation back to God. And there's just a, a verse that just jumped off the page according to what we're talking about, about circumcision of the heart here in Second Kings chapter 22. Hilkiah the high priest had been going through the temple. And you can, you can kind of get the picture that he finds the book of the law in the temple 
Well, the book of the law had been unused, uncared for, unresponded to for I don't know how long. But it says they're digging through and they find the book and they really don't even know what the book says or what's in the book. But he brings it to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah says, when the king heard the words of the book, verse 11 of the law, he tore his robes. And that's a sign of repentance. It says, wow, something's broken. And God told him, tear your hearts and not your garments. So that external tearing of the garments in this situation was exactly that. That his heart was responding to the word of God. His heart was responding to the situation. We, the children of Israel, have moved away from God. We've, we've forgotten his word. We're disobedient. We're basically living disgraceful before the king of kings. And so... Um, he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for, and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of the book. You go down to verse 19. Because Hezekiah's heart was soft, here's what happens. It says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Verse 19, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this people, that they would become accursed and a waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. So there's a prayer of brokenness and humility and repentance. And that's, in a sense, a, a heart that's responsive to God. So going back to Colossians, Paul was trying to clearly help the people understand that these um, Jews and the false teachers that were coming into their community to try to steer them away from the person of Jesus, away from Jesus only, in the sense, not Jesus and traditions, Jesus and um, rituals, G Jesus and Sabbath celebrations, Jesus and re religious rituals, traditions, philosophies, all those things will lead you astray from naked allegiance, relationship just to Jesus. And it happens to all of us. The human heart, we need to understand. We need to understand the proclivity of the human heart to drift. Then we got to go back and we got to trust. And this is where we're going to do a little Bible study right now. We got to trust what God has said, what God said He did to the human heart. And we got to trust what God's Word says over our feelings, over our emotions, over our experience. Because if we trust our feelings, we trust our emotions, we trust ourselves, we're trusting in ourselves and we're not trusting in God. So Carol, if you could rush up here quick. I have a simple illustration. I'm not sure how well it works. Okay, I'm not sure how well any illustration is going to communicate the circumcision of the heart and what we're attempting to do. But I likened it to, if you could sit down there, I, I likened it to... In a sense, we read the part where it says, In him, 
You were circumcised, not with the human hands, but with the hands of Christ. You were buried with baptism and raised to new life. And we're trying to illustrate what is Scripture saying happens when we put our faith in Jesus. Because something significant, and it isn't about our feelings, it's about the facts, it's about what God has done and what God has said He has done and what is completed and that what He's calling us to live into then. It would be a lot like your child. You're trying to raise your child. And you said, no, Dad, I don't want to go to school. Because I'm not ready. I'm still just a baby. I want to go back in the room and I want, I want to um, just be a baby. No, you're not a baby. You're actually growing up and you're ready for school and it's time to go to school. How many times should a parent tie their kid's shoes? One time. Okay, and then show them how it's done, and obviously help them, but then let them know you're not a child. You're growing up into, and this is, as a Christian, we're growing up into him who is the head. The bully is going to come along, and he's going to tell us something different. So, could you play just a little something? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch what you do, and I'm going to do it. Sweet, no problem. <laughs> what do you think? It's a good start. Good job. You know, there's. I can see that it's totally impossible for me to do. There's just no way. I can't. I don't even know where to start. My, I feel clumsy just sitting here. Um, Almost embarrassed to try. Um, how do your hands work together? Is it is it even possible? Absolutely, yes. I just love the way you curve your fingers. That's the great best way to start. Um, you run all flat. You just yep. So so like if I practiced, I could actually do this. Yeah. You could be the new worship leader. Well, don't know about that, but we can. Uh, so, okay, that's, that's enough. But thank you. So you get the idea. And the idea is that God has said some things to us in his word. Liken it to when the angel came to Gabriel and he's hiding in a wine press. And he says, mighty warrior. Uh, in a sense, we need to get what he's saying. He said, you have been circumcised with the hands of Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism, raised to new life, and he's just telling them, live like that. All this other stuff, it's not reality. The reality is found in Christ himself and in him. And so then he goes on. So look at verse 11. I'm just going to rapidly go through some scripture here. In 2.11, and we'll tie it together in the end. 2.11, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature. So that, in fact, is what God did through Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, there's a circumcision that happens in our heart, apparently. Maybe I shouldn't allow, allow that to slip out of my mouth, but I'm like you. We're learning what it is. A Christian is constantly learning what it is that a Christian is. What it is that I've become. Can you imagine a butterfly? I mean, he went, he went to sleep as a worm. 
He wakes up with wings. Think about it. The tadpole. He went to he went into the mud with a tail. And he comes out with legs that are edible. <laughs> but he comes out with legs that can hop and he can live on land. And so you've been born again. The old has passed away. All things become new, but we gotta walk into it. We gotta step into it. So Colossians chapter three, skipping ahead a little bit. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Earthly nature, sinful nature, flesh. It's all the same word, but it's saying that's been killed by God. Recognize that. What does that look like? Chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. And I want to say, well, I thought I did. And then the Lord says to me, no, Chris, you didn't. I did in the cross, took away, nailing it to the cross, took it away, nailing it to the cross, the old flesh, buried in baptism, raised to new life. So you go back to the left, you find Philippians, and then you find Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Look what it says there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. To put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse uh, 31 of chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving. So this transition, I'm switching now um, to the next book, Galatians, right before Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Remember that verse? And now, the clincher, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 6. And everybody find that chapter. I can tell you a little bit of what I know from my own experience, but if you're not in this book, if you're not in the chapter, if you're not reading it on your own, studying it, wrestling with it, you're just eating regurgitated food. Eat for yourselves. Feed on the Word. Verse 6 of chapter 6. For we know that the old self was crucified with Him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So there's the illustration of being buried in baptism, raised to new life, the illustration of circumcision, cutting off the old and throwing it away. And then he goes on in verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 14. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Verse 22. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you read leads to eternal, leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. And then the last verse in chapter 7, verse 6. Well, we better start in verse 5. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to once what once bound us, we have been released from the law to serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And so we looked at some, the last couple of weeks, we looked at some verses about this passage in Colossians, about the theology that Paul is trying to help them understand that what happens when you put your faith in Jesus, you're, you're buried with Him in baptism, you're circumcised in heart, not by human hands, you're given the Holy Spirit, and basically you're going to learn how to live a new life. There is no such thing as a Christian life without Christ within. The Christian life isn't a life of duties and traditions in the sense of some kind of man-made obligations. It says very clearly, we have an obligation, brothers. We are debtors, brothers. But the debt is to the Spirit of the living God. The debt isn't to man-made rules and regulations. Whether you make them up or I make them up or some system makes them up or religion makes them up, our debt and our duty is to Jesus Christ and to cooperate with His Holy Spirit. Otherwise, all these things where Paul says, I don't want you to be deceived. I won't want you to be led astray. Those people are all around us and in a sense, since our hearts are continually being corrupted and easily corrupted, our old man, it says the heart is deceitful above all else. We have to be weary. We have to be careful. We have to be guarded. And we have to believe what Scripture tells us. That God has given us a new heart. We have an obligation, but it's not to the old nature. It's to the new. We have the privilege, the opportunity, the duty, the responsibility, and the obligation to walk with Him. And so the bottom line, it's about a relationship with the living God. And you, make, you can make up all the rules you want. But you know, and I know in my own heart, when that practice of yielding to Him, listening to His voice, obeying Him, and we get that check by the Holy Spirit, and we're grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, it's time to wake up. It's time to go to a brother or a sister and say, listen, I am struggling with this. And I've allowed myself to go back into what I'm not supposed to do. I'm a butterfly and I'm crawling in the mud. I'm supposed to be eating nectar and I'm eating dirt. And I repent and I want you to pray for me and help me to move forward. If you're a Christian, and we are, through faith in Jesus and repentance and confession of sin and obedience in this walk with Jesus, we've not been given a spirit of timidity. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but a conquering spirit of the living God. A Christian is to trust God, trust what He said over against His own thoughts, His own feelings, His own circumstances. That's self-dependence, not Christ-dependence. Or we're going to struggle with this rule-keeping, we're going to struggle with religiosity, and we're going to struggle with different things, and we will not grow in dependence on Him in fellowship with Him, in community with Him. 
So there's no Christian life apart from the Spirit of the living God. The Christian life being in Jesus, being like Jesus, is not possible apart from Jesus. Every attempt will fail. Apart from keeping in step with Jesus, the Holy Spirit confirming, conforming us to Jesus' image, that's what the Christian life is. But that's just barely the beginning to being in Him. Then we're to grow up into Him who is the head. We're to continually to act like Him. So the Christian life is going to be lived in one of two ways. Okay? And, and that doesn't include, I, I should have said, there's, you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You can't be half of a butterfly. You're either a butterfly or a worm, but, but there's a growing up into that needs to take place. So, a Christian is going to live in one of two ways. The vigorous, adventurous, abounding, growing, courageous, terrifying, territory-taking, sin-crushing, overflowing in thankfulness, worshiping life of the Spirit, or some form of legalistic self-righteousness, rule-keeping, safe, stale, cowering, complaining, constantly comparing, self-sustaining deadness of religion. And I need to work on those so that, that I can, for my own self, I can see a clear contrast. A clearer contrast. Either we'll, either the flesh will be directing our life because we're in this body still. We're sin because we're in this body still and we're not being uh, recognizing what God has done to us and for us through His Son Jesus. To live in a way that we're to be obedient in responsiveness to Jesus and trust Him for what He has accomplished. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So there's a way that Paul is trying to help the Colossians. You need to see yourself as identified with Jesus. See ourselves as His children, His warriors, His saints, His believers, His soldiers. Or we're going to live... in some form of less than. Whatever that means for each of us, it'll be some form of less than. For me, it's a lot of fear. It's a lot of cowering. It's a lot of excuses. It's a lot of not showing up. It's a, not, a lot of not trusting God and trusting myself. And then I need to be reminded, as many of you do, and I thank you, as we walk together to help um, each of us grow up into Him who is the head. That, wait, Chris, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on your King. Chris, keep in step with your King. You're out of step with the King. Get back in step with the King. And so Paul, he cares for these people. Look at it in chapter 4 or chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 4. I tell you so that no one may deceive you 
by fine-sounding arguments. You get into the Word. You, in your relationship with God, ask questions, wrestle, struggle, press on. Ask Him to show you in the areas of your life that are stale or that you've been, you've been given over to the enemy, the old nature, and you're not thriving as you could be as a full-fledged believer living in just a day-to-day Christian life of obedience and yielding and cooperation with Him. So that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And then as Layla led, read for us all these, um, verse 16, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. With regard to a religious festival, there's a lot involved in that, but I hope we can come to understand more and more that we listen to the commander Jesus, his word, his way, his will, and everything else is just stuff we prop up to fill in maybe our the emptiness of our self-imposed worship, the emptiness of our stale religiosity. When the reality, however, is found in Christ. And so Paul wants to care and love for these Colossians and help them understand that they have a serious responsibility to recognize what God has done. Not how they feel. Not how somebody else is telling them they're supposed to live, but what God has done in Christ. That in Him, they were circumcised with a circumcision by Christ's hands. And they were buried with Him in baptism and they were raised to new life through their faith in Christ. So it's seeing what Jesus has done, what He has accomplished, and living in that. Living in what Jesus has done. Living in His sufficiency, not in our insufficiency. But when we come to the end of ourselves, it should be a thrilling place because then that's when all grace abounds. When we come to the end of ourselves, Rush there. Rush there with me. Father, thanks for your word. And we need to have less of ourselves and more of you. And we need to recognize that we have an obligation, Lord, but it's not to the sinful flesh to live according to it, but we have an opportunity now in Christ. We have this opportunity to put off the old and to put on the new to recognize that You have done a marvelous work in us through faith in Your Son. And in dwelling in the sealing of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we are to keep in step with the Spirit. And where it says in Galatians, the flesh and the Spirit are in contrary to one another. There's conflict there. And there should be and there will be. Conflict within, conflict without. But also, Jesus, you said 
Any of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And our rest is in you, depending on you, walking with you, abiding, remaining in you. And therein we bear fruit. Therein life that flows into us from you flows out of us to others. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the opportunity to practice this week being what it is that a Christian is. In Jesus' name, amen.